Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and queer. And I'm Pan Trans and Lebanese here in America. Um, I'm in DC. Ellie is in Houston. And we are going to just catch up on what has gone on in the past week since our last episode, which is yeah. a lot. I was going to open with a bit of a trigger warning. We are going to be discussing the Iraq, Iran and Soleimani situation. It's not going to be focused on, oh no, World War Three. more as just the sort of discussion around. For those of you who are absolutely fucking done with that, see you next week. So for since everyone has been pretty much inundated with the World War Three memes, I kind of want to talk about that. For those of you who don't know, I am basically an internet gremlin. I should post on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and a few other places. And one of the things I saw pop up starting January 3rd was, oh no, World War Three. And then mm-hmm. like half the trans people... I knew we're also posting, oh, but I can't be drafted. Oh, too bad, Trump. Too bad. And I'm like, really? You're making this about you? Mm. And I was just kind of like, like, this was especially bad in the trans, like, subreddits and yeah. Twitter space, just because it's just like, I know that these are mediums where you're supposed to make it about you, but seriously, I guess I'm just complaining about the confluence of, like, queer spaces, you know, and being sort of casually anti-war, where it's not about all the damage and suffering it's going to cause, but about how it's going to impact you as the person who's, well, not you, the listener in particular, but, you know, Americans. This is an American-centric podcast, goddammit. I, under, I understand why you are bringing this up, because, um, I mean, first off, and I've talked to some friends about this too, like, first off, a draft seems just very unlikely in the first place, so why are people focusing on that so much? So I could see... Well, uh, there was actually a Supreme Court ruling saying that a male-only draft was unconstitutional, so that might also be on people's minds, although nothing's really seemed to have come of that so far. And the other end of it is we have this sort of freak out every time there's a new war. Like, everyone was afraid there was going to be a draft after 9-11. Everyone was afraid there was going to be a draft, like, in the 1990 Iraq invasion. It just... We mm-hmm. seem to be very definitely as scared of the draft just because of like, I don't know, 60 years of like Vietnam War freak out. Right. Because at the time we had a bit of it. We were having involuntary recruits or drafted personnel. I know like conscription is an issue in other countries, but in America it's become like more of an almost irrational fear as opposed to a real fear. Okay, before we started recording, I was a little hesitant. Like, like you said earlier, should we make this America-centric right now, but I also see the value in calling out this pattern that you've been seeing like on forums, online and stuff. And for example, I mean, the memes, like the World War Three memes, there are, there's a lot of humor in them and it just doesn't seem like a time to be making light of something like this and simplifying it in the form of a meme. And I too have seen specifically Americans, specifically white Americans, sharing those memes without a thought, without thinking like the impact that what maybe seems trivial can have on people looking at it who actually are impacted or have people who have family members who might be more directly impacted. Um, Yeah, especially since yet another American war or another flare up related to the war is just going to cause basically needless suffering 
in Iraq, Iran, Syria, and everywhere else we seem to have an endless war going. So it's unnecessary. It's mm-hmm. but on the other hand, like the reason oh context, we did ask several people to come on the podcast and talk about this, people who are way more qualified than us. But everyone at least the people we've talked to have been fairly uncomfortable talking about this just because, you know, some of the people who we usually ask, you know, don't have established citizenship status in the United States and they want to be uh, openly critical. Some people are afraid that it might get back to their jobs. So while being anti-war seems to be a fairly safe position, it's not the safest position in the United States. And, you know, we've sort of noticed that. Like, I didn't think it would be hard to get somebody to talk about this. And yet here we are. It's just me and Alia. Yeah, and I completely yeah. understand people's hesitance. I mean, I, I recognize that that's a huge ask, but that is it's, a good that is a good disclaimer. Uh, Ellie and I are far from the most qualified to talk about this, but we'll discuss what we can. The English name space we exist in it's it's a little fucking weird. Mm-hmm. So um, on that, everyone's like, why now? For those of you who aren't following American politics, it's it, the wide-going theory is that it was basically a confluence of, hey, the Americans finally got intelligence of Somani on the fact that he was out of the country and that he's been active and that an opportunity presented itself. And the United States military was like, well, we shouldn't, we've really not been tracking him just because it's never, we never thought we would get a shot at this, but here we are, but we really shouldn't because this guy is popular in Iran it might provoke a backlash, it might cause instability in the region. So they presented Trump basically with a list of options, and one of them was kill the guy. And that was the unreasonable option that they presented to make the other options seem more reasonable. And of course, Trump went through the unreasonable option, making even the whole choice and discussion around the assassination itself a fucking meme about Trump being the worst. So this entire thing has been really fucking surreal. Um, and, I am, yeah. and I am definitely not saying that Somalia or the United States are blameless or to blame for this. Basically, the two countries have been in a cold war, and it's like, the anti-war version of me is like, well, what did you expect? Right. It's completely possible to be anti-war, but also to listen to the opinions of, for example, people who have been recently protesting in Iran, um, and that's something that has been... Uh, I've seen discussions online about this, um, where it's like basically if you if you make any critical comment about what's been happening in Iran you are not taking an anti-war stance um but i think it's important to listen to people who are iranian or you know have a connection to the country who are voicing their opinions and what they want to better iran and i i don't know i think voicing criticism for two entities or like in this case two governments it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive it's like oh no we're being critical of the american government and the iranian government therefore we must be either pro-iran or pro-imperialist and it's like fuck no we are anti-fucking war yeah because i mean i love like you and i are going to come at the anti-war from slightly different angles i'm going to be like well it's just a pool of ultra wealthy to basically profit at everyone else's expenses. Absolutely. Because for example, for example, when I checked um, checked on my stocks and stuff that I, so for those of you who don't know, American retirement is basically based around the 401k. While we do have social security, majority of people's retirements are going to be based around st- a stock portfolio, which are 
given prefer preferential tax status in American law. My stocks, as a result of all this war business, because this company that runs my 401k doesn't have any ethical investment guidelines, you know, they do invest in arms manufacturers and stuff. My stocks went all this war discussion and then went up again when Trump um, basically was, you know, trying to de-escalate things because, oh, hey, it's market stability. So this whole war scare has made people, including myself, money. And that's fucking disgusting. Ugh. But... That's horrifying. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not exactly the biggest pro-capitalism person, as as y'all know. Yeah. No, it's horrifying that there's that correlation. I guess some people who aren't directly impacted by what's going on, like, there's this... That incentive. War is good. War is good. Yeah, and there's, like, the whole... The constant argument in America, it's like, oh, war is good for the economy. That's Are so... you fucking listening to yourself? First of all, first of all, if you take out the humanity aspect of it, I mean, that's so short-sighted. <sighs> I, like like... I feel like that's one of my main criticisms of this whole situation. Everything is so fucking short-sighted, including the it's good for it's good for the economy. It'll, you know, it's good for America. It'll get Iran to calm the fuck down. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, um, all these are fucking awful rationales and are just, no, don't promote American imperialism. But on the other hand, don't completely dismiss the whole Iran interventionism in the Middle East thing as well. Granted, I think the scales are slightly against the United States on this one being any sort of a, you know, honest player just because America has never been a fucking honest player. Right. You know, and we are... Like, America, the American government is fucking imperialist, but it doesn't excuse any other countries like crimes or whatnot. It just, uh, I, I guess one of my other complaints about this is you can't properly meme about it. Like, how do you get all the nuance down? How do you get, like, the fact that yeah. we're both anti-imperialism, anti-war on all sides? And it doesn't lend itself to, like, our current meme format, which is basically... The way most people, including myself, get a lot of the first impressions of the news. You know, it's easy to, on one hand, yeah, memes are super simple and to like seem trivial, but you're right. That is often like the first glimpse that someone might get online of large scale situation. Um, and that, that is kind of, that is kind of concerning. Like maybe memes I mean, should not be a thing attached to this. Just important shit unfortunately they kind of are like i've kind of had to cut myself off from the american news cycle just because of how stressful it turns like there's always some crisis brewing there's always something awful going on and you know mm -hmm. trump has just sort of made that like a hundred times worse but the fact he fucking participates in that shit like directly with his twitter and mm -hmm. all the you know edgelord memes that surround him yeah. And because my my sort of internet headspace is very nerd and gamer driven, me like the only way outside information gets in from from like around politics is basically memes, unless I directly go out of my way to research it for say an episode or mm -hmm. whatnot. That's a good reminder. And, uh, I guess the power that something like a meme can have. I, I it's easy to forget. Because yeah, one of my privileges as, you know, middle-class American is the fact that I can be non-political for, you know, a day or two at a time where I don't think about politics or where I don't have to worry about what the news is. 
Well, that's somewhat true for me. It's like even more true for most Americans just because like they don't have family who would be directly affected by this. They don't have any interest outside of the United States, you know, and most people it's like the biggest impact of the war is going to have for them is if either they have family or if they have like a stock portfolio. I just want to say that Urgent Care is an amazing podcast and uh, the two people who host it are Joel Kim Booster and Mitra Johari. Uh, One of the hosts is queer, um, both are people of color, and anyway, it's an advice podcast, it's funny, It's sometimes it does get serious, and one of the phone calls that they recently got uh, for this, this week's episode was what was a woman who is considering okay a woman on this call said hey so i everything in my life is going great the one thing i'm missing is a committed relationship and so she was talking about a guy that she just recently met and that his one flaw is that he is pro trump and he is hardcore pro trump and she and she is not and um she was saying you know is this too big of a red flag or can I separate politics from a relationship and Joel Joel and Mitra were perfect like the response was perfect I mean they were like okay so you're calling into a podcast run by people of color one of us is queer we and our families are directly impacted by Trump's policies by this administration and etc and you're calling us to ask if you can just set politics completely aside in a relationship and they talked you know in so many words they were talking about the level of the absolute level of privilege it takes for someone to have that question in their head and for someone to actually call into a podcast and voice that i don't know i i listened to it just kind of flabbergasted and then realized no this is a lot of specifically white Americans thinking. And yeah, I I just wanted to give that as an example of, wait, this is definitely not an outlier. Like this is actually a very common mindset among Americans, white Americans. Politics will affect you when you choose, when you choose for it to, you can compartmentalize it, you can like set it aside, even in something as intimate as a romantic relationship. That's just not most people's reality internationally. I'm going to be real. If you were like pro-Trump or pro-war, you know, we wouldn't be hanging out right now. Totally. Much less would I ever consider that to be okay within a romantic relationship. Just to be able to be able to even consider that, like that privilege, it's absolutely mind-blowing. It's like you're hot I am super horny, but you had to open your fucking mouth, didn't you? <laughs> no, it's like yeah. MAGA is definitely a boner killer. Just saying. Yeah, saying that you're moderate or saying that you are on the right, um, I think that's the that's the quickest turnoff that probably exists. Okay, um, is there anything else you wanted to highlight? That's pretty much it. You know, you've heard us complain about memes and politics and dating. Great. We've done that that episode again. We really muddled through this mess. Um, This episode is super disjointed. And I mean, I guess that kind of, that's an accurate reflection of, um, I think. It's so disjointed. We're apologizing in the episode for the episode. You know, we're all just kind of figuring this out and. uh, We are figuring this out just because it's like all of it's coming so fast. It's like we've 
said this before, a lot of this podcast is us sort of just processing this like political hellscape around us in yeah. real time. You're hearing you're hearing, you know, two queer women think about this shit and try to sort it out. This is the first time you and I have really talked about any of this. You know, we had a very brief oh, conversation that's... yesterday about like what this episode would be about, but you and I just haven't had a chance to like discuss yeah, discuss any of this. So you're kind yeah. of hearing our first conversation between each other about uh, what's happening um, i mean there's a there's a lot of unspoken stuff i mean like basically both of us by default are going to be anti-imperialist and anti-war and absolutely not... um there was a really good facebook post that i i won't name the person just in case he doesn't want to be named but he mentioned a podcast featuring yasmin nair he talked about her where she discussed a certain a certain type of thinking that people who consider themselves to be anti-imperialists um, have that can be kind of dam damaging. And I kind of wanted to mention that before ending this. He says, and he's specifically talking about like white Western leftists, uh, what their kind of hot takes on, hot takes are on things like the situation in Syria, etc. are. How do these anti-imperialists conceptualize desire if they even do so at all? Have they taken the time to factor in an individual's desire for freedom, their desire to live a life of dignity, their desire to achieve great things and to have the same opportunities that everyone else in the world has? I appreciated that post because um, he is bringing up the issue of a nation, as in the, popu the general population of a nation, he is just like how some people see the needs of the general population as one monolith and like and how it does a disservice to people who are most affected by a situation like this and to not honor what folks are saying needs to improve within their own borders or within their own nation and that we need to honor that people do have desires and they want they want improvement, they want change. And that does not negate, at least listening to that does not negate the fact that, you know, the US government is committing war crimes and and that the US is the most dangerous player right now. Acknowledging those things, like you can you can do both. I just I just needed to say, you know, like one, let's stop making it about ourselves on both the internet and politics. That seems to be like this entire downward spiral, but I. Mm -hmm. But this whole thing has left me like feeling even more disenfranchised and you know disempowered in this American political system. I feel like I don't have anything I'm able to do anymore about it. It's like I can vote, I can give money to candidates, but again, I'm just feeling like I can vote, I can protest, I can give money, but what do those do in a? nation that's over 300 million people plus in a system that is specifically designed to disenfranchise minority voices in yeah. a political climate which just seems to be like saying hey you have even less of a voice i definitely respect that i understand the feeling of discouragement i have that too but y'all still vote please and do what you can i mean i'm not i mean i'm not i'm not going to stop i'm just like i know i know Thank you. All right. Well, well, I guess that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Ellie and me muddle through this. Um, 
Oh, yeah. One of the things that came up is, so I've had several family members and friends discreetly come up and ask me the same three questions, like, mm-hmm. about surgery stuff. And it's like, do you, and like the big ones, though, were, do you regret surgery? And how does everything slash look slash function? And I'm like, you've had family members ask part, you how it looks? Pretty much. It's, that's, that's, I mean, that's awkward. It's, for those of you who don't know, I just had gender reassignment surgery slash sexual reassignment surgery slash gender conversation surgery. Term depends on when and where you heard it first, basically. So yeah, I had a few family members basically like ask me if I first if I did did to regret it. I'm like no, and I later found out because this is like the first page of results is like half of them there are like I regret surgery stuff from like gender critical subreddits and anti trans slash turf subreddits. So that was kind of like an eye opener. And the other end of it yeah. was like well because they saw all this negative, you know, surgery is bad stuff. Um, I was like, so does it look awful? Does it, do you, I'm like, one, none of your fucking business. And two, since you're asking and I have no filter apparently, yeah, everything looks great and feels amazing. Bye. You get to, you get to answer in whatever way you're comfortable with and people, yeah, that's so bizarre for someone to ask how it looks like without you offering the information first. It's it's weird. Everything is weird lately. Weird is the false state of being. I I don't know. Anyway, um, I guess that's it for this week, right? Unless yeah. there's something you want to add. No, I think that's it. Um, thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, we can be reached on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Queer Arabs. You can reach us at thequeerarabs at gmail There's the Queer Arabs in Arabic at gmail If you ever want to reach out to Ahmed. Thank you all. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That'll help the queer Arabs show up more for people and be more accessible. Have a wonderful week, y'all.